0: And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl
1: Amari. Who's that
2: strange looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the line, you man. Sam,
1: sweetheart.
2: I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger. Uh,
1: the Shadow, the Master avenger
3: uh, This is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits.
0: Wanna hear the most annoying sound in the
4: world? <laughs> guys, guys, guys. Fellas,
1: did we could listen to the radio or something?
5: Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet from 1948. Then Bill Johnstone stars as Lamont Cranston... Alias the Shadow from 1942. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's going on? All good. Enjoying hey. the radio show. You know what? Tonight. We're going to be listening to The Shadow a little later in the program. I'm enjoying The Adventures of Ozzie and Hayden. I know. You like the comedies. Uh, Mike likes the detectives like Johnny Dollar. I like the scary show, so it's perfect. You like the comedies. Mike likes the detectives, and I like the scary we stuff. we like to make everyone happy. Yeah. All right. Well, last time, we began listening to The Adventures of Ozzie and harriet let's go back to november 7th 1948 ozzy is in a rut here's the conclusion of the adventures of ozzy and harriet
4: something very mysterious has happened to that solid dependable citizen ozzy nelson for eight years now on wednesday night ozzy would walk into miller's drugstore go over to the soda fountain and buy two pints of ice cream one chocolate and one vanilla but tonight the routine has been broken Ozzy's set pattern of living has come unstitched. Instead of two pints, one chocolate and one vanilla, he stepped up to the counter and
6: said, Give me a quart of Tutti Frutti.
1: (laughs) What
4: frivolity! What irresponsibility! But if you think that was unpredictable, listen to what he did as he was leaving the store. Instead of walking to the door, looking over his left shoulder and saying, Goodbye, George, as he's done for the past eight years... Ozzy walked to the door, looked over his right shoulder, and said, So long, (laughs) Charlie.
1: Mom, how
2: come Pop hasn't come home yet? I don't know, David. He should have gotten back from the drugstore at 5.30. It's almost quarter six. Maybe he had an accident. Oh, Pop wouldn't have an accident on his bowling night. That's right. He only has accidents when spring cleaning comes around. (laughs) Have you told Pop about the rug yet, Mom? No, and don't you either. I want to surprise him. A man's coming tonight to put the rug down while your father's bowling. So let's not say anything about it and spoil a surprise, huh? okay, you better tell Ricky, though. He's such a blabber, Oh, yeah? Hey, I think that's Pop now. I hear a car out front. Oh, no, it couldn't be, Daddy. He didn't take the car today. Me, one. Hi there, everybody.
1: Hello, dear. Hi, hi, Bye, Pop.
2: Pop. What was the car out in front? Thorny bring you home?
6: No. You know how irresponsible I am, Harriet. On an impulse of the moment I took a cab home.
2: Clear from downtown?
6: No, from the drugstore down at the corner.
2: You called a cab just to drive up the hill?
6: Yeah, wasn't that a silly thing to do? I don't know why I do those things. I'm just so unpredictable.
2: You better give me that ice cream. Or I predict it'll be dripping on the floor.
6: Ice cream? Ice cream? Oh, yes, the package here. Here, take this, David. I'm so irresponsible lately.
2: Hey, Pop, what kind of ice cream is this? But, uh, Tootie Fruity,
6: David. What's Tootie Fruity? It's, uh, ice cream with, uh, little pieces of, uh, fruity and, and, uh, chunks of Tootie all
1: mixed <laughs> up. How come
2: you didn't get chocolate and vanilla, Pa?
6: I thought Tootie Fruity would be nice for a change.
2: Yeah, I don't know
1: how I'm gonna like Tootie Fruity.
6: Well, you'd better like it, Ricky. If you don't eat your Tootie Fruity ice cream, you won't get any dessert.
1: No, that did not sound <laughs> <that good. laughs>
6: Harry, if the boys don't eat their dessert, what don't they get?
2: They don't get any carrots.
6: Don't get your carrots. <laughs> well, put the ice cream in the refrigerator, will you, Dave? <sighs> I think I'll sit down on the floor and read the paper.
2: The floor? What's wrong with the chair?
6: Oh, I always sit in a chair to read. I'll try the floor for a change. You want the back section of the paper, dear?
2: Well, Ozzie, that isn't the evening bugle.
6: No, I didn't get the bugle.
2: But you always get the evening bugle.
6: Well, I didn't this time. I got the morning trombone.
1: <laughs>
2: I think it's called Tribune, dear.
6: Tribune, trombone, what's the
2: difference?
1: Both
6: musical instruments.
2: <sighs>
6: Let's see what's in the paper.
2: Are you comfortable, dear?
6: Of course I'm comfortable. Why shouldn't I be comfortable?
2: Well, aren't you going to take off your overcoat? Why?
6: Is there any law that says a man has to take off his overcoat? I just feel like wearing my overcoat.
2: What happened? Did you forget to put on your pants?
1: <laughs>
6: I just feel like wearing my overcoat. Ozzy, what's the matter with you? Nothing, dear. Can I help it if I'm irresponsible, unpredictable? Who said you were? Well, I really am. Nobody knows what I'll do next. Well, I do. You'll wash your hands for dinner. It'll be
2: ready in a few minutes.
6: Uh-huh. Uh, what time are we having dinner tonight?
2: Same time we have it every night, 6 o'clock.
6: Let's have it at 9 instead.
1: <laughs>
6: well, do
2: you think you can hold off until 9 o'clock?
6: No, not 9 o'clock. Uh, nine minutes after 6. <laughs> if you want to start living on a precise schedule, doing the same things day in and day out, let would be a little different. It's all right with me, dear. In fact, when I wash my hands, you know what I'm going to do? I can't imagine. I'm going to dry them on hers. <laughs>
2: Coming over the rug Shh, not too loud, Ricky Do you want to spoil the surprise? Well, Daddy always leaves To the bowling alley Promptly at 8 o'clock So I told the man To get here a little after 8
6: Harriet In here Harriet, uh, have you seen My banjo anyplace?
2: Banjo? <laughs> I didn't know you had one.
6: Oh yes I thought I'd get it out And play a few tunes You know, something A little different
2: Well, you don't have time Have you forgotten Tonight is your bowling night? Oh, my goodness It's 8 o'clock You'd better hurry, dear. I put your shoes in the bowling ball right by the front door. You don't even have to go upstairs.
6: You don't understand, Harriet. I'm not going bowling tonight. But you
2: have to. The man... Is, I mean, that is... What man? That man that lives next door. Yes, that's it. Thorny. You wouldn't want to disappoint Thorny, your old pal.
6: Yeah, that would be a dirty trick, wouldn't it? Well, if you insist... That... Harriet, stop pushing me.
2: I wasn't pushing you, dear. I was... Just patting you on the back because it's so good of you not to disappoint a friend.
6: It's the first time I've ever been patted on the back with two hands and a knee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're awful anxious to get me out of the house. Oh, don't be ridiculous.
2: David, get your father's hat. Here it is, Mama. I got it right here. Here, Papa, I'll help you on with your coat.
6: Good. Uh, I don't think I'll wear a coat. I know it's cold out, but I'm so unpredictable. Well, you
2: better carry it on your Would arm. You? Now hurry, dear. You, you want to keep the other man waiting. Oh, well, pa, good I'm, night, Pop. Good night, dear.
6: Oh, family is getting unpredictable. What happened, Dodge? You didn't stop by for me. Oh, I was just on my way over, Thorny. We're a few minutes late. Who cares? You know, it's a funny thing. Harriet. Something the matter? That man over there, I think he's looking for an address or something. Uh,
7: Pardon me, gentlemen. Could you tell me. Say, aren't you Thornbury? Well, yes, but I. Don't don't you remember me? Mulligan. I was the other end man at the Elks Mistress
6: Show. Oh, of course. How are you? Glad to see
1: you. <laughs> this is
6: Mr. Nelson. Oh, glad to know you. Glad to, well, I remember you, Mulligan. Didn't you do the ringmaster and, and the big circus number, too? Yeah, that's right. Oh, sure. You were the head of the show. <laughs> oh,
8: I'll go away now.
7: Torn nothing at all.
6: Say, what are you doing over in this neck of the woods?
7: Well, I came over here to deliver a rug. Some woman had to have it put down tonight. Her husband's a bonehead that don't like to have things changed around. <laughs>
1: What's the
6: address on it? Uh,
7: 1847 Rogers Road. Name's Nelson. You know them, Mr. Nelson?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: yes, that's my house. Oh, it... they're you're the... <laughs> <laughs> then no offense
7: to what I said, Mr. Nelson. I didn't know you were the bonehead.
6: <laughs> no wonder Harriet was so anxious to get me out of the house. She pulled a fast one, huh? That's what she thinks, Tony. But I just thought of a terrific gag we could pull. Mr. Mulligan, would you care to join us? Thanks.
7: I'd be glad to. I better make mine a short one, though,
6: during working hours. No, 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 no,
1: no. <laughs>
6: now, I mean in, in the gag. Now, listen here. You've all heard the expression, snug as a bug in a rug. Well, you and Mulligan carry the rope.
2: Put the lamp in the dining room, David. I want the floor in here as clear as possible. Well, I do with this footstool, Mom. You better put that in the dining room, too. This dining room's trying to look like the living room. Or the attic. Come on, slowpoke. I'm just going to do all the work. Now, cut it out, you guys. I'll send you both to bed. Just a minute.
7: Mrs. Nelson?
2: Oh, yes. Good evening. Would you just bring the rug in here, please? Well, sorry, what are you doing?
7: Oh, I met Mulligan outside, and I just thought I'd give him a hand.
8: You know, these rugs are pretty
7: heavy.
2: I'm sorry about making you deliver it tonight, Mr. Mulligan. Oh,
7: that's all right. I wasn't doing anything in particular. Just eating dinner.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, uh,
7: careful with that end, Mr. Thornbury.
2: What makes the rug so lumpy?
7: Oh, that. Well, uh, you t- uh, you tell uh, uh, when they put. What does make the rug so lumpy, Mr. Thornbury? <laughs> well, it is probably just the um, uh, underpad. They sometimes get bunched up when the rug is rolled. Yeah, yes, yeah, sure, sure, sure. That happens all the time. Uh, if you just step to one side, Mrs. Nelson, we'll unroll the rug for you.
2: No, no, don't unroll it. Just stand it there in the corner. <laughs> Stand it in the
7: corner. But
2: I don't remember which end of the head.
1: I mean... the, <laughs> the other end. We just, If Ozzy
2: doesn't like it, Mr. Mulligan will just have to come back tomorrow and roll it up again. Just throw it in the corner until I find out how Ozzy likes
8: it. Believe me, Harriet, he's going to like it a
7: lot
2: better Unroll <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but, Thorny, he's such an unpredictable person. He might not even want a new rug. Oh, uh, let him unroll it, Mom. Please, Mom, we want to see it. Well... Okay, unroll it. Oh, hurry up, Mulligan. Let's go. Uh,
7: wait a minute, wait a minute. I gotta make me speech. <clears throat> and now, ladies and gentlemen, the wonder of the age. You're about to witness the only time in history a man, old sober, mind you, has been rolled in his own living room.
6: He
1: ho <laughs>
6: surprise, everybody. <laughs> Water.
2: Ozzy was rolled up in the rug. Oh, clear water. Oh, how clever. <laughs> Surprise. Oh, Ozzie, how
1: unpredictable.
2: Oh. Ozzy.
6: Hmm?
2: Are you mad at me for buying the rug?
6: No, dear. Go to sleep.
2: How do you like it? Like what? The new rug.
6: Well, it, it's a little tight through the shoulders.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: kind of
6: warm and scratchy, but it's a nice rug to be rolled up in. You like the color? Oh, uh, black is all right.
2: <laughs> Beige?
6: Look black where I was.
2: <laughs> Tell me truthfully, dear. Do you like the rug?
6: Yes, I, I really do. I've never been smothered by a nicer one.
2: I was a little worried after the way you talked at breakfast. Men always seem to resist changes of any kind around the house.
6: I guess that's the way nature works it out. Women are fundamentally insecure, so they want to change everything. Men like things comfortable, familiar. Sometimes I even make believe I don't notice new things. But I do.
2: Oh, darling, I'm so glad you said that. I was afraid you hadn't noticed my hair.
6: Your hair?
1: (laughs) Yes,
2: I was afraid you might not like it cut short. What are you doing?
6: Uh, uh, just uh, going to turn the light on for a minute.
2: I pulled out the plug.
1: <laughs>
6: now
2: tell me, do you think I should get my hair cut?
6: Harriet, don't be so. <laughs> you think I didn't notice that you got your hair cut short?
2: You like it, dear? Very
6: much. Harriet. Yes, dear? Did you really get it cut?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't, dear, but now that I know how much you like it, I'll have it cut first thing in the morning.
6: (laughs) I guess I'm just an old stick in the mud or a creature of habit or something. This is the kind of a breakfast I like.
2: Well, that's good, dear.
6: No, No surprises or changes. My two medium boiled eggs, not too hard, not too soft, always the same. My coffee, exactly the same flavor and consistency. Are you wonderful, dear? Even the toast, never varies, always the same. Will you pass me the toast, David, please? Thank you.
4: Again next week to another adventure of Ozzy and Harriet, starring Ozzy Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. And
2: remember, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. Yes,
4: Harriet, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is
6: International Sterling.
4: Appearing in support of Ozzy and Harriet were John Brown, Tommy Bernard, Henry Blair, Janet Waldo, Doreen Tuttle, and Jack Kirkwood. Original music was composed and conducted by Billy May. This program originates in the Hollywood studios of the National Broadcasting Company and is also broadcast over the Trans-Canada Network of the Canadian. Broad- Broadcasting Corporation. This is Vern Smith speaking. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company.
5: And that's the Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet from November seventh, nineteen forty-eight. Ozzie is in a rut, starring Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. Sponsored by International Silver is heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's the Shadow. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of January, you can digitally download the New Adventures of Michael Shane Volume 1, featuring 12 detective episodes starring Jeff Chandler. The New Adventures of Michael Shane Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Also on sale during January at 50% off is Our Miss Brooks Volume 1, starring Eve Arden in 12 comedy episodes. Our Miss Brooks Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but it's yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com and digitally download The New Adventures of Michael Shane Volume 1 and Our Miss Brooks Volume 1 at half price. In February, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during January. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to order. While you're there, download an episode of Suspense absolutely free as our gift to you. ClassicRadioStore.com And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 and it's time now for one of radio's most popular mystery detective shows The Shadow. It starred Orson Welles in 1937 as Lamont Cranston alias The Shadow and Agnes Moorhead, remember her and Dora from Bewitched. She played the lovely Margot Lane and Lamont Cranston had learned the secret of invisibility by clouding your mind. He used Use this power to fight crime. Bill Johnstone was the second actor to play Lamont Cranston, then John Archer, who is Ann Archer's father, and then Brett Morrison. Margot Lane was the only person who knew his true identity, and it lasted on radio until 1954. Well, we have a 1942 broadcast for you now from February 1st. Uh, This is called The Return of Anatole Shavonik from February 1st, 1942. Here is part one of The Shadow.
0: The thrilling adventures of The Shadow are on the air. Brought to you each week at this time by your neighborhood blue coal dealer. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient... Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The secret of hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama The Return of Anatole Chevenix. <laughs> Jewel robbery. Read all about it. All clues point to Anatole Shevanek. Police sure of arrest
8: in 24 hours. All right,
3: Shevanek. Your little game is over. Really, Commissioner Weston? Yeah, Shevanek. Those notes with your name on them, warning us that you were going to steal the jewels, the white gardenia that you always leave, you won't wiggle out of this. There are just two things you have overlooked, Commissioner. Yeah, what? Point number one, you have not been able to find the jewels which you say I... I purloined. Point number two, at the time this robbery occurred, I was 3,000 miles from here. And I can prove it. Extra,
1: extra, police release
0: Anatole Shebenik again, for lack of evidence. Read all about it.
8: Something has got to be done about Anatole Chevenix. Three times he's struck in 60 days. The police must do something.
2: But my jewels, the police are helpless.
8: Warns, victims in advance. Police are powerless. What can we do against him? He always has an alibi. <laughs> eh?
3: Where is he? Who's
9: there? You! Why have you come here? What's that in your hand? No, no, no. Stay away. No!
0: Extra, extra, Shevenick murder. Read all about it. Shevenick murder.
3: And so murder closed the book on Anatole Shevenick. But is that all? Can the elusive Shevenick solve the mystery of that last great darkness? Who can say? faint line divides the quick from the dead. And once having crossed that line, is it possible to return? This is the case of Anatole Shevanek, which strangely enough begins with the end of Anatole
5: Shevanek. That's the first portion of The Shadow, more after these words.
0: Now back to the
5: best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to The Shadow.
3: There, gentlemen, on that
8: slab here in the morgue lies the mortal remains of Anatole Jevenick. At last, we know where he is. No thanks to you, West. Your police would never have caught him. Ah, listen to him, Cranston. You'd think that he, the great one and only special investigator Devlin, had been
3: personally responsible for it. As a matter of fact, gentlemen, neither of you came anywhere near catching him. Shevernick
8: even sent notes telling the police where and when he would strike next. And what about the white gardenia, his signature? Uh, Some police force. He always had a perfect alibi. And for that matter, what did you do for the insurance companies that pay your salary? All you ever
3: did was pass the buck to me and my men... Some special investigator. Now, just Mr. Devlin, uh, Commissioner, please remember where we are. That body lying there. Oh, quite so, Cranston. Well, yes. it's foolish for us to argue, Devlin. Our troubles are over now, anyhow. I'd say they were just beginning, Commissioner. Shevenick was murdered. Who did it? We don't know yet, Cranston, but we're working on it. Not much to work on, Commissioner. Shevenick was found stabbed to death in his apartment. Killed by a sharp-pointed instrument. I believe your police report reads, a gem cutter's tool. Well, they probably used it to cut up the stolen gems so they couldn't be identified. Gem cutting is too delicate a job for a one-handed man, Commissioner. One hand? Yeah, Shevenick's right hand's missing. It's severed at the wrist.
8: We discovered that when we found his body. Why, I can't believe it. Now look for yourself. I will. Oh, hmm, so it is. Then that's the reason he always wore those gray suede gloves. Yeah, to conceal his artificial right hand. This only proves how little anyone really knew of Anatole Shevnik. No accomplices, no friends. He was the man nobody knew.
3: Anatole Shevnik, the great jewel thief,
8: had only one hand. One hand, two hands. What difference does it make? Difference, Commissioner. I can't help thinking that if his right hand hadn't been cut off by a bandsaw when he was a child, he might never have turned to crime. What's that? Somebody just came into the morgue. Can't see who it is. The light is so dim. Pardon me, gentlemen,
9: but uh, am I right in assuming that this is the body of Anatole Shevnik?
8: Who are you? I'm George Gilroy. May I ask who you are?
3: I, I'm Police Commissioner Weston, and I left strict orders that no one was to be admitted to the morgue while Shevnik's body was here.
9: Indeed, Commissioner. I have a court order giving me the body for experimental purposes. Huh? You see, Anatole Schevenick willed his body to me. Oh, then you're Professor Gilroy, the man who. who brings back the dead as the sensation seeking press would have it? <laughs> Let me reassure you, I have not been successful in my experiments. yet.
0: returns from the dead. Police baffled. Daring jewel robberies continue. Shevnik returns from the
8: dead. Everything all right, Commissioner? Oh, hello, Cranston. Oh,
3: stop worrying, devil, and Shevnik had better not show up
8: here tonight. Commissioner, I uh, come into this room here, will you? I can't talk over this din. All right.
3: Blame Devlin for worrying about this wedding reception tonight, Commissioner yeah.
8: Mrs. Porter's jewels are insured with my company for $50,000 <laughs> Now look, Devlin, Shevonick is dead You saw his body lying in the morgue I know, Commissioner, but that note telling us that he was coming here tonight If Mrs. Porter's jewels are stolen Devlin's I... right, Commissioner
3: Even with the fresh gardenia left with a warning note of Shevonick's signature Franston, I tell you, somebody is masquerading as Shevonick Shevonick's in his grave Not grave, Commissioner Remember Professor Gilroy?
8: Hey, that's right Yes, Gilroy did take the body of
3: Shevnik to his laboratory. Well... Just the I...
2: Commissioner Weston.
3: Yes, Mrs. Porter.
2: This note was just thrust into my hands in the ballroom.
3: Note? Let me see it. What? There's another gardenia wrapped up in it. Gardenia?
8: What does the note say, Cranston?
3: Jewels were made to be worn, but not by such as you. Signed merely with the initial C. C. And you think... Shevnik, is here.
7: Oh, Commissioner, what'll I do?
3: Mrs. Porter, if Shevnik got in here tonight... He won't get out. I'm going to call Cardona and his men on the grounds and give the alarm. Oh, uh, by the way, Miss Porter, it's very wise of you not to wear your jewels tonight.
2: Not wear my jewels? Why, I am... Oh, my jewels are gone. Shevenick has stolen my jewels.
3: And that's the story, Margot. Note, flower and theft all point only to one man...
8: You know, this whole business has Weston talking to himself.
2: I can't say I blame him, Lamont.
8: It is pretty weird. My pussum friend and companion, Big Charlie, used to talk to himself, but he quit. Why, Shrevey? He didn't like the answers he gave himself, he didn't like. <laughs> oh, Shrevey. That's the truth, Miss Lane. Why, he got so sore on himself one day for something he said that he wouldn't speak to himself for days. He wouldn't speak to <laughs> Oh, Shrevy, stop. Shrevey, sometimes I
3: think you make these stories up.
8: Why, Mr. <laughs> Cranston, are you putting the third degree to my veracity? Are you putting...
3: Shrevey! watch for your driving. Yes, sir, I always do.
8: oh. Oh. <laughs>
7: Trevi, for a moment there,
2: I thought you were going to hit that other car.
8: Yeah. Don't we live dangerously, though? Mm-hmm. Hey, what's this? What? It's wrapped up paper. I just noticed it. Let me see it. Here, Mr. Creston. Thank
2: you. Lamont, a white gardenia.
3: Wrapped up in this note. Addressed to you, Margot.
2: To me? Read it.
3: It says, I have stolen no jewels from you. Instead, I give you a pearl. A pearl of wisdom. Your friend Lamont Cranston pursues a dangerous game when he pursues Anatole Shevanek. Lamont. Shrevy, go after that car that nearly ran into us.
8: Well, it ain't nowhere in sight now, Mr. Cranston. He turned the corner up ahead. He was going like a shot he was going.
3: Okay, Mr. Shevanek. We'll see about you later.
8: What are you going to do, Lamont?
3: Margot, you're going home. I'm going to see Commissioner Weston. You know, I've been rather lukewarm about this whole case up to now. But Mr. Shevenick has just aroused my sporting blood.
2: Shrevey, I say I'm perfectly safe here in my own apartment. Now, go back to your cab, please.
8: Must that be definite, Miss Lane? Mr. Cranston
2: definite. said... Definite. I'll be all right here alone.
8: Well, good. okay, Miss Lane. I'll go right back to the Commissioner Weston's office and pick up Mr. Cranston I'll pick.
2: Goodbye. Goodbye, Shrevey. I needed a bodyguard, for goodness sake. What's this? A
7: note, another one. Evidently, you don't take my written warning seriously, Miss Lane. So the next time I shall have to give
2: you my warning...
3: In person? Oh! Yes, Miss Lane. Anatole Chevalier.
2: But you... You're...
3: Was is the correct tense, Miss Lane. I was dead. But as you see, I have even tricked death. (laughs) Oh, what do you want? Merely to prove to you that Anatole Shevanik is alive. And to warn you for the last time not to allow Mr. Cranston to interfere with me. If he does... Ah, that is Mr. Cranston now, Miss Lane. Calling from police headquarters. Well, why don't you answer it?
2: Hello? Margot? Yes, Lamont, I... I...
3: You may tell him I'm here, Miss Lane.
7: Lamont Anatole Shevaneck is here at my apartment.
4: What? Can you hold him till I get there? Well, I'll try.
3: He wants me to stay here until he gets here, does he not?
1: Margot.
3: Margot, answer me. Unfortunately, I have urgent business elsewhere. Remember
6: my warning. Lamont, he's just gone. And I'm shaking.
3: Gone? eh? Well, no matter... Shev and shall meet sometime soon. Right now, I'm going to Professor Gilroy's laboratory and ask a few important questions.
9: But Professor Gilroy has already been interviewed by the
1: police.
3: Yes, I know, Margot. But somehow, people have a way of talking when their interviewer is the
9: shadow. <laughs> stupid, stupid. They laugh at me at my experiments. Well, they shall see.
3: <laughs> Professor
9: Gilroy. What the? That laugh. But there's nobody here but me.
3: You're wrong, Professor Gilroy. The shadow is also here.
9: Where are you? I can't see you. Are you a spirit? A spirit from the beyond?
3: No, Professor. I am a man of flesh and blood as yourself. But don't look for me. No one has ever seen the
9: shadow. What do you want of me, invisible one?
3: I want you to tell me the truth about your experiments with the body of Anatole Chevenick.
9: What more can I tell you than that they're not completely successful, but... We are progressing, progressing.
3: Suppose I were to tell you, Professor Gilroy, that Anatole Shevnik has been seen, alive.
9: Alive? That's not possible. Yet, Shevnik's body is still here.
3: Then, Professor Gilroy, you have no objections to my viewing the body,
9: have you? I don't see what you'll gain by that shadow.
3: It will remove any doubts I might have about your connections with the jewel thefts of Shevnik. Thefts committed since his supposed death.
9: All right. If you must be convinced, come with me. You will see that I speak the truth. Here, in here. This is my dissecting laboratory. Shevnik's body is lying in here, in this box.
3: Why,
8: yeah. why is...
3: Yes, Professor Gilroy. Shevnik's body is gone.
8: Yes, Governor...
3: Uh, no, Governor, but uh, there is still no trace. Yes, uh, Sevenix alive, all right, uh, no doubt of it. Uh, yes, Governor, I, uh, uh, I know you want some action on this case. Now, I'll tell you the way I've got it all figured, Governor. I uh, have got it all... Uh, hello? Hello? Ah, he must have been cut off. He's a busy man. Very busy.
2: Commissioner, that was the governor on the phone, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. My job here is hanging by a thread because of this crazy Shevnik business, and all you two can do is make bad gags. All you have to do is give us your permission to enter Shevnik's house. For the 20th time, Cranston, the answer is no. Why? Miss Lane, I... For the 20th time, my reasons are the same. That house was sealed by the police after Chevenix was murdered so that the place could not be tampered with and possible clues destroyed or concealed. Well then, Commissioner, now that you believe Chevenix to be alive... Who said that?
2: You did, just a moment ago.
3: Yeah, I saw it there. Well, doggone it, he must be alive. Everything points to it. You say you saw him and then his body disappearing from Professor Gilroy's laboratory. So you see, there's no longer any reason to keep that apartment sealed. Well, I don't know, I don't know. Suppose the murderer should get... What murderer? What murderer? Anatole Shevanick's murderer, of course. But
2: you just said that Anatole Shevanick was alive. If he's alive, he's not dead. So?
3: There is no murder or murderer.
2: It's obvious.
3: Now, look, I... Here... Here are the keys to Chevenick's apartment. Now get out of my office before I lose my mind completely. Thank you, Commissioner. Come on, Margot. You
2: know, Lamont, I don't think we're very welcome here today.
3: <laughs> yeah, busy man. Very busy. Will you two get out of here? <laughs> this is it, Mr. Seven Seven Two,
8: 7720 River Street. All
3: right, Sweetie. Come on, Margot. Let's see what we can find in Chevenick's house. I
8: hope it's not Chevenick. You could say that again. You could say it.
3: Afraid, Shreevy?
8: Uh, uh you want? I should wait for you here, Mr. Creston.
3: <laughs> okay, Shrevey, I understand. You wait here. And if we're not out in ten minutes, call Commissioner Weston and have him come here.
8: Yes, sir. I'll do that. Take what care of yourselves, take.
3: Up the steps, Margot. Right. Miss
2: yes, Lamont, this old house seems to hang right over the river.
3: Yes. Shebidick must have picked it because it would be so easy to escape from.
7: Come on. Suppose Chevenix really is inside.
3: Well, this is apparently the only door to the house. The police seal across the door is still intact.
9: You, you go in first, Lamont. All right, Margot. Goodness, it's so dark in here.
3: Yeah, seems to be a long hall. Come on,
9: Lamont. There's someone here. Where? I can feel it. Lamont, in there. Look, Lamont. The shadow of a woman against the windows.
1: Yes, Margot.
3: So it is. Feel along the wall for the light switch. All right.
2: Got is it. Anatole? Anatole? Lamont. Quiet. Anatole, is that you?
3: Switch on the lights, Margot.
2: Oh. Who are you?
3: May I ask you the same question?
2: I am the wife of Anatole Chevenix. I suppose you are from the police. His wife, but I thought that. You thought that Anatole had no wife. But you are wrong. He fooled everyone. No one knew I existed. when we came in here, the door was sealed. How did you get in? There are more than one means of getting in and out of Anatole Shevnik's house.
3: Uh, Mrs. Shevnik, your husband, if he is still alive, will be brought to justice eventually, so I... If
2: he is still alive? You say that very strangely.
3: Well, you know, of course, that your husband was murdered.
2: Oh, no. No, he is not dead. I can prove it. It is this newspaper, here, read it. What does it say, Lamont?
3: It's an item in a personal column. It says, Rene, come to the apartment tonight, signed A.C.
2: You see? It is a signal we had agreed upon. Does that prove to you he is alive? He will be here tonight. Uh, but you will not catch him. He is too clever.
3: Mrs. Chevenix, this may be a trap to get you. Oh,
2: no, no. There are only two other people who know my husband. There is no... Tra- What's that?
3: It sounds like someone's in the other room. I will see who that is. Wait, I'll come with you.
1: Oh! Run! Stop! Hold, Stop, police. I say!
3: He's running there and locked the door. Shevnik must be there. Well,
1: well no, if he's in there... Shevnik
3: Give a look. to the police, well, eh? Lamont, that ah.
2: Shevnik. I couldn't forget that <laughs> voice.
3: I'll have to break this door down, Margot. Look out. Lamont, he's gone. Yes, must have escaped through some secret passage. The way she got in, I, I wonder where she... Lamont, there. Behind that sofa. Oh, Lamont, she's dead. He stabbed her. Yes, Margot. Wait a minute. This is very strange. What, Lamont? This woman was stabbed by a right-handed man. Anatole Shevnik didn't have a right hand. Yes, I'm sure of it, Margot. It couldn't have been Anatole Shevnik who stabbed her.
2: But she called his name. She must have believed it was he. And I recognized his boy through that door.
3: No, it doesn't add up, Margot. There's some vital piece in this crazy puzzle that's missing. Oh,
2: Lamont, what do you suppose it is?
7: Missing.
3: Missing. Somehow the missing hand is the solution to the whole mystery, Margot. Now, what is the connection?
2: Well, why don't you talk it over with the Commissioner Weston and Mr. Devlin? Maybe they can... Devlin?
3: That's it, Margot. If no one knew anything about Shevnik, how could Devlin know that Shevnik's hand had been cut off by a band saw when he was a child? It was just a slip, but I
2: heard. Well, when did Mr. Devlin say that?
3: That day we viewed Anatole Shevaneck's body in the morgue. I see it perfectly now. Margot, call the police and tell them to surround the house of Peter Devlin. The shadow is going to pay him a call. And if I'm correct, the case of Anatole Shevaneck will finally end tonight. You will continue on with me, Peter Devlin. You have traveled too far along the road to turn back now. I never knew about the murder. Not until it happened. This gem cutting tool in my hand is sharp. I can use it. I have used it before for other things besides changing the shape and sizes of stolen jewels. And if I go to the police? When Nate tried to go to the police tonight, and she is no longer able to talk, think it over. I can do both jobs. You have seen that for yourself. For now, Anatole Shevanik will have two hands. I can steal the jewels and cut them as well. No. Your share will be bigger now. No, Shevanik. You are the only one who could reveal me to the police. He is dead because he tried to withhold some of the gems. Renée is dead because she could not be silent. And you are the only one left. Why, it would be so easy to... No, no, please. Don't kill me, please. Fool. Coward. I don't need you. I can work alone. (laughs) Shevanek. What? Who calls my name? The Shadow. Shevanek, the Shadow. Yes. I've heard of you, Shadow. You are the one I fear most. So, Jacques Shevanek. Your brother Anatole had an identical twin. That explains the so-called return of Anatole Shevanek. You took his place. His twin brother. Yes, my brother is dead. I killed him. You also murdered your brother's wife. She knew too much. And you, Devlin. Yours is the greater crime. You worked for the insurance companies as a special investigator. and You were informed of all plans to protect the jewels from the Shevanek brothers. The plans which you gave to them in return for your share of the loot.
8: Shadow, I was wrong. I I see it now. What can I do to make up for my crimes?
3: You can testify against this murderer here. Perhaps the court will be lenient with you. Testify against me? No, Devlin. If you are dead, no one will know. There will be no proof. Look out, Devlin, the knife! (sighs) You've killed him. (laughs) Yes, Shadow. His tongue is silent. Now the law can never get me.
8: Jacques Chauvinik, you have been tried and found guilty of murder in the first degree by a jury of your peers. All through this trial, you have been silent. Have you anything to say before this court pronounces sentence upon you?
3: Your Honor, it is true that I have not spoken. I believed I would be wiser not to speak. But now that the trial is over, I realize what I have done. I know what a fool I was ever to believe that I could break the laws and not pay. I know now that my life would have been happier and would have come to a better end if I had stayed on the right side. That is all. Jacques Chauvinic,
8: it is the sentence of this court that you be hanged by the neck until you are dead. And may God have mercy on your soul.
7: The
0: Shadow program is based on a story copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
3: The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows. <laughs>
0: Next week, same time, same station, your friendly blue coal dealer brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in the shadows daring battle against the forces of evil. Be sure to listen and be sure to phone your neighborhood blue coal dealer for greater heating comfort at less cost. Remember, keep the home fires burning with blue coal. This story was produced by the DLNW Coal Company, distributors of blue
5: coal. And that's the Shadow from February first, nineteen forty-two, with the return of Anatole Shavanik, starring Bill Johnstone. Also in the cast, Marjorie Anderson, Kenny Delmar, Arnold Moss, Alan Reed, Louis Van Ruten, and Keenan Wynn. I was really surprised to see Keenan Wynn was in this broadcast. His father was Ed Wynn, the very funny uh, comedian, and he did a ton of uh, ton of dramatic uh, movies and TV shows. Keenan Wynn in this radio broadcast, sponsored by Blue Coal, as heard on Mutual. Stick around. We have more of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. We want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website for this show. It is hollywood360radio.com. We also have a Facebook page and uh, some other fun stuff, we right, Lisa? Sure do. Hollywood 360 Radio, and we have the schedule posted there at the beginning of each week so you can check and see what the the end of the week holds for Just you. go to Facebook and then search Hollywood 360 Radio? There you go. Wow. I could even probably do that. Mm, probably maybe not. not. No. Yeah. Next week it's under arrest Fibber McGee and Molly It Pays to Be Ignorant The Adventures of Philip Marlowe People Are Funny and Whitehall 1212 For my team here at Hollywood 360 thank you all very much for tuning in stay safe we'll see you next time